Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. It's gone. It's done. Yes, Mr. Frodo. Over now. Michael Preston. I don't think I am alone in feeling that way after that game that is now nearly a week old uh, finally came to an end on Friday night, that Friday just after Christmas. Uh, it's over. A season that was interesting to say the least. And we will recap a bit here uh, is over. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour, our post-football show. We are going to continue the show into basketball season a little bit because we want to talk about Kyle Smith. We don't have the expertise quite that Mr. Powers and Mr. Neusser do when it comes to talking about basketball, but we still would like to talk about basketball. So we're going to continue to do that uh, throughout the Uh, winter and early spring as it finally looks like we have something to be interested in uh, with Washington State basketball for the first time in a while but I want to kind of like Jeff and Craig did earlier this week I want to put a little bit of a bow uh, on this season and it's I to me it it was this I think Jeff put it pretty succinctly in his article earlier this week this team is exactly who we thought they were in that game now it's an exhibition game largely you know it's a one-off it doesn't really mean anything and I Saw lots of consternation about you had three weeks to get ready to defend the triple option. We'll talk more about that later. But, I, you know, it's just that that game was kind of a microcosm of everything we knew this team is, right? We knew they weren't very good at defending the run. We knew they weren't very good at getting off the field on third down. We knew that the offense played tight at times when they knew they would have to score on every possession. We knew all of that. That's, those are all things that we knew about this football team, and it just all came to a head in that game in Phoenix. Thank God it was a cheese up. Well, at least it was something fun. Although I will say, if I had to see that Wheel of Cheese doesn't have knees commercial one more time, I was just going to hurl my TV into my yard. I, I, I had just about had enough of that commercial <laughs> by halftime, and then they played it like a billion more times. 
but I, I find interesting, and again, you know, after the season's over, we kind of settle up with our evaluation of this team, and especially in the air raid, given the special talent we've had at the quarterback position, you settle up with uh, your evaluation of Anthony Gordon, how the team did overall, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's very fair to say that 6-7 and seven is a very big disappointment. I had this team penciled in to go probably about 8-4, and 9-3 and three before the season started, and then your bowl winner loss, whatever. So for let's say for argument's sake, the team went six and six. And a cheese at bowl was a bit of a disappointment. And I've talked about before how your expectations kind of change because I've said before that I'd be pretty happy with Mike Leach if he gets this team to a bowl three out of every four years. And he's done it now five years in a row and six of the last seven. So he's on pace, even if he misses a bowl game next year, to be there. And I know I would be pretty unhappy if he did that. The expectations for the performance of this team have surely been raised. But I'm I I it it it's definitely showing you the season really showed you kind of how on a razor's edge a college football season can hang, right? I mean, last year I I, I will never forget that football team in 2015 going 11 and 2 and winning the Alamo Bowl. In game day and Gardner Minshew and everything. I can never forget that. But that team also won a lot of one-score games. They beat Cal by a score. They beat Utah by a score. They beat Iowa State by a score. I'm probably forgetting another couple in there. that They won pretty tight games. Lost a tight one in LA to SC on a short week. But again, they kind of lived, and, and that Stanford game, I think, was a one-score game. You see the flip and difference, because I think coming into this season, they were something like 9-1 in their last 10 one-score games, and this year, it clearly went the other direction. And it swung all the way the other way on them. And and again, that's that's kind of, that's part of its luck. But part of it is also just that eventually that's the pendulum's going to come back and swing the other direction on you. You can't always win close games. It's it's going to even out at one point. It's the law of averages with this game is that you're not just going to continually win games in which the margin is less than a full touchdown. That's just that, that's not going to happen. So it finally did even out, but in a year where it even like the pendulum swung even more violently the other way because you didn't have a defense that could bail you out in a game where the offense might have needed some help. You lose one score games to ASU, UCLA, Oregon. You do beat Oregon State. Now, granted, you let UCLA way back in that game, <laughs> to say the least. But they did beat Houston earlier in the year. So I, I think for me, the story of this season before we get to Anthony Gordon and this offense is going to be this defense. And we, we you know, I alluded to earlier, you now see how that 2018 to me could be so successful. And it wasn't because, oh, I mean, it was because of Gardner Minshew and that offense and James Williams and Max Borgie and all the great receivers they had. But it was also because the defense, even though they were very, very okay, they were by no means great. They were very, very okay, right? Kind of a middle-of-the-road defense, but it showed you that that's really all you need 
to win with this air raid. Because if you watched the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, you saw Oregon generate four turnovers and win a game in which they got outgained by almost two lengths of the football field. And the time of possession was completely out of whack because they blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown, and they generated turnovers. Four turnovers in that game. And that's something that Alex Grinch's teams, Alex Grinch's defenses, and Tracy Clay's first defense did on a regular basis. And we've talked about that earlier in the season. You end possessions for the other team without them getting the chance to score, and you end them early, usually in positive territory. I think Oregon generated two turnovers inside the Wisconsin 35. So, I mean, right there, you are set up to score right off the bat if you're them. And that, to me, is the big difference. I don't have the final count in front of me for how many turnovers Washington State generated this season, but I know it was incredibly low. And a lot of them were early in the year. A a lot of them were early in the season. They just did not get the ball back for this offense. Among the many issues this defense had was the fact that they did not generate any turnovers whatsoever. And that's kind of, again, the difference there is last year's defense was not superb. They were not like this world beater defense that you actually saw the year before at Washington State. Really weirdly, I would have loved to have had that defense with last year's team. You didn't see, you know, they, they... they, they were very average, but they generated turnovers. And that's, that's a big thing, right? 18 turnovers during the regular season for Washington State. It's one and a half a game. Not a ton. And quite a few where they went without generating any turnovers at all. Not good. Not very good at all. Only forced 11 fumbles. Got nine back. Again, not great. So, I think for me, that's the story of this season. Is that when when the defense was playing okay, that's when this team did well. And you can't look at the time of possession in that bowl game and say that's why Air Force won. Well, no, they just pressure cookered them to death. I mean... <laughs> A 20-play, 98-yard drive that took 12 minutes and 23 seconds. My God. Wazoo still only lost by 10, and they were out-possessed by nearly half an hour in that game. And I I think I saw a lot of, they're not playing with heart, they're not doing this and that, they're not prepared. They were playing hard. The issue was not that they were not trying. Let's set that straight. I want to set, they, they were busting their rear end in that game. But you had a deep an offense that they had not ever seen before in all likelihood. And it counts on you playing disciplined and sticking to your assignments. And, for, you know, I mean, you do need to do that. But that really goes against the grain of how you play every other week as a... As a defender. That that is not usual. That is that is really unusual. 
And again, to not see that offense ever, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. Three weeks to prepare, but you know, all the time in the world you want, it's going to be really hard to prepare for. And it's not a simple offense. And I want to clear that up. It's not like it's this really simple offense to just scheme against and do. I mean, Wazoo does not have the athletes. And there's a reason why Air Force won 10 games playing in the Mountain West this year. It's not because they were bad. There's a reason why Navy wins with this offense on a regular freaking basis. It, it, it's not that simple. Georgia Tech won in the ACC for a long time under Paul Johnson running this offense. It's not as simple as a lot of people made it out to be. So, again, the story for me here this year is the defense. And I, I want to touch on the offense now because I, I think, for me, you look at Anthony Gordon's season, and what I see is that Connor Halliday 2014 year if he'd been able to finish it. If he hadn't gotten his leg broken against USC. You see a guy that really willed this team and really, you know, made a lot of hero ball throws. Made some really dumb throws, but made a lot of really hero ball throws. Probably had the best arm since Connor Halliday on this team to quarterback this team. And I, I wonder what everybody would think of him if last year's defense was the 2019 version. Or even if the 2019 version was just a little bit better. If they managed to not give up 50 points and a half to UCLA. If they manage to keep Arizona State out of the end zone one more time if they manage to bow up on that final drive in Eugene. And I, you know, I get we're playing ifs and buts and I I abhor saying that generally, but it, I, I think for this thought exercise, I want to know what you would think if this team had won nine games in the regular season. What if they go to Tempe and win? What if they go to Eugene and beat a top 10 team? Anthony Gordon had a pretty good game in Eugene. He had a pretty okay game in Tempe, too. And we all know the game he had against UCLA. So what would your evaluation of him be then? Because it, I just... <laughs> I see a lot of the same stuff that people flung at Connor Halliday in 2014 that gets flung at Anthony Gordon. He's too careless with the ball. He's flat-footed. He's locking onto receivers. And all this other stuff. And it's a lot easier to criticize a quarterback, I think, when... The season is not going the way you think it does. Is he flat-footed at times? Sure. Does he stare down receivers at times? Yeah, probably. But that second thing a lot of college quarterbacks do. It's not like a lot of college quarterbacks are super well-trained in going through their progressions. And Anthony Gordon did go through his progressions. And he made some throws that were truly mind-boggling this year. I mean, incredible throws. That you need to have stones to make. You have to be carrying around some stones to make those throws. Or to even make the decision to throw them. And so I, I guess where I'm left after this year is that you had a guy who was a starter for one season. He got one season to start. And that's probably about as good as we could have expected from a quarterback in one season. Setting records left and right. 
And again, it's not like he just like piled him up on a bunch of throws. His yards per attempt were pretty dang good too. And I get that he had a great receiving core and a pretty decent offensive line, but I mean, and yeah, it can kind of be a function of the system, but it's not like you can't just grab a scrub off the street and do that. I, I get that a lot of people think this offense is just plug and play, but it's really not. You you don't get that kind of season without spending four years learning this offense because it the air raid is kind of like I've I've always said this about skiing. Skiing is really easy to learn. It's incredibly difficult to master. I kind of think the opposite about snowboarding. Super hard to learn, easier to master. The air raid is easy to learn. It is incredibly hard to master. That's why Gardner Minshew spending time with Hal Mummy and running the offense previous to last season came in handy in 2018. Luke Falk is really the guy you saw pick it up the quickest. But even then, I, I think he was, yeah, I mean, he was, he had been in the program for a year and a half leading up to that, if I'm remembering correctly. So it, it, it's, it's not like just this, you know, Gage Gabrud could have done just as well. I mean, look, there's a reason why he wasn't playing. And I mean, I, I even thought he was going to be the starting quarterback. And it's clearly because he was not the most capable guy to do it. If he just wasn't the most capable thrower, and that's what Mike Leach values in this offense, then great. So I, I think where I'm left with it is the season's probably always going to be underappreciated, right? We're not going to appreciate Anthony Gordon's 2019 because it ended with a thud in Phoenix and in a pretty lackluster season with a couple of really gut-wrenching losses and not a whole lot of yippee Kaye happiness. It just it, it you're gonna remember, rightfully so, Gardner Minshew's season a lot better, Luke Falk's 2015, his 2016 a lot better than you are this one. Even though statistically, Anthony Gordon's season was better than either of them. Maybe outside of the interceptions, he did throw a few more of those, but again, more passing attempts. I just it, it it's gonna go the same way as Connor Halliday's 2014 season. You're just not gonna remember it as fondly, and that's thanks. I wish he'd had a better team to do this with. I wish he'd had a, a slightly better defense, and I wish at times they hadn't the offense hadn't played so tight and so worried about having to make up for a bad defense. And at times, feeding off of Anthony Gordon's energy at times, it felt like, where they played tight and they just didn't move the ball like they could. And I, th I think it, it all kind of wraps around to something... You know, we put a bow on it a little bit, but it kind of comes back to something we said. This whole season goes back to something we said early on. We were looking for a leader, right? You were looking for somebody to replace Peyton Pelour, Jalen Thompson, Gardner Minshew. You didn't really find it, did you? I don't think they really found it. Max Borgie's probably too young to be that guy yet. I just, I don't, I don't think they found that person who they all rallied around and said, this is the guy who's going to lead us. And it's a concern you're going to have going into 2020 again. It's a team I'm pretty concerned about next season. Yeah, you get all the hard games at home, but this schedule is no joke. Utah State and Houston are not gimmies next year. Washington, Oregon, and Cal at home are going to be hard outs. ASU is going to be a difficult out at home. 
UCLA on the road is not going to be easy. There is a very good chance this team does not win six games next year. Especially because, again, we are looking for a quarterback. Again, third year in a row, you need a new quarterback. Does Mike Leach take a transfer? Who does he hire as defensive coordinator? You have to wonder about all of that going into 2020. And it's very worrying because, again, the the talent's just not there on defense. You'll lose two really good offensive linemen to lack of eligibility. You're going to lose Aesop Winston and Des Patman. And you don't know who your quarterback is yet. It's all a little frightening, right? Going into 2020. But here's the good news. That's a very long way away. And the basketball team looks like they could be, you know, pretty okay. And I think that's a fair sight better than they have been for a number of years. That's a good thing. Let's talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about the basketball team. And then we'll do our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael anything. A little bit of a shorter show this week because it is still the holiday week. It is so weird to like holidays on a Wednesday. <laughs> Last week felt like kind of like whatever. This week has felt very much like I felt like a slug all week. Not wanting to do anything. It's It's been a very weird couple of weeks. I don't know about you guys. It's, it's just, it's been very odd. But let's talk about the basketball team. We'll do that on the other side of the break on the Kook Center Hour. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We hope you enjoyed the commercial break here on the Kook Center. We're still getting used to the fact that that's a thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of neato that we have commercial breaks and people think enough of us to do that. <laughs> but so it's cool to us. We enjoy it. Uh, basketball under Kyle Smith. I, I think at least so far, 9-2 and two as they finished up their non-conference season against Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, last week. 9-4, and four, excuse me, as they roll into conference play here this week against USC and UCLA back in Pullman. And it's, it's going to be an interesting season to say the least. And I, I, I do mean that in a good way because you're seeing... You're, you're seeing some of the growing pains with a new coach. But at least it seems to me, and we talked about this when he got hired, that at least there's a direction. You know exactly what Kyle Smith values and what he's looking for in his players. And this team seems one heck of a lot more disciplined than any of the previous five iterations. I mean, you're going to have to go all the way back to like Ken Bone's second to last year to find a team even remotely as disciplined as this one. Maybe Ernie Kent's first season. But that that has been a drastic, drastic change. And that's a good thing. We want that to be a drastic change, right? You want 
this team to be a lot more disciplined because it, it, it was sorely lacking and they lacked any kind of direction on offense or defense because Ernie Kent was apparently incapable of coming up with anything, you know, that like resembled, oh, go do this. This is the kind of defense we should be playing. This is what we should be emphasizing, blah, 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 blah. Just apparently that did not get to exist. And so it's it's been interesting to say the least to see that change. And I think that maybe something a lot of people didn't expect, probably me included, I'll admit that, is that this was going to be a very up and down season because of that change from in, in styles where you were so much less disciplined under Ernie Kent to now the expectations set to you by Kyle Smith and his coaching staff. And I think that has been the most drastic thing and maybe something I should have realized early on is that this wasn't just going to be, you know, when they ripped off that 30-point win over Seattle U after losing to them last year, I maybe should have come down off, you know, the high a little bit and realized that, look, it's just not always going to go this way. They lost to Santa Clara. They struggled to pull away from Idaho State, a very not good team. They lost to Omaha at home before they went to the Cayman Islands Classic, dropped two or three there. They rattled off now six in a row, including beating Idaho, so extend Kyle Smith forever. They beat New Mexico State after losing to him twice last year, but then kind of, you know, needed to pull away right late from UC Riverside and had to do the same thing to Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Arkansas Pine Bluff is really not very good at all. Like, they are horrible by Ken Palm. I think Ken Palm has them like in the 300s and there are 330 some odd teams in NCAA basketball. So that's, that's kind of a, it's not great. <laughs> it's really bad, but you're going to see some more uneven performances. I think than you may have been anticipating and that even I may have been anticipating. And that's probably not fair to expect them to come right off the bat drastic change to the style of basketball you're playing you're gonna get it right right off the bat it's just not gonna happen not going to happen i love the emphasis on turnovers the 16 and a half turnovers washington state is generating per game i think i saw jeff put out a statistic on podcast versus everyone that they've generated like 20 turnovers four times already this year and they did that once under ernie kent once one time Good God. But that gets back to, you know, kind of something we talked about with football is if you can end possessions without them having an opportunity to even shoot at the basket. Awesome. That's great. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this team is going to be like here in 2020 because you have a squad that is definitely in transition and Kyle Smith let go of a lot of guys that were on this roster and brought in a lot of his own. I mean, it hardly looks the same as it did a year ago. Thank goodness CJ Ellaby is still here, but it's, it, it, it's, it's a very different look than we had even a year ago. Right. And, it, it, it occurs to me that you're just going to have some problems with consistency with this basketball team. And I'm going to try to learn more about them as we go here so I can 
not quite sound like I'm talking out my rear end as much as I do right now. But it's definitely a case where I think some patience is going to be required, perhaps more than I wanted to apply to this team because I'm a very impatient person, as you might expect. But I, I, I think at least things are pointed the right way. 141 by Ken Palm right now is Washington State sandwiched between Missouri State and Bowling Green. And frankly, that's a vast improvement over the last few Ernie Kent teams. Not great on strength of schedule, but that's fine. Don't need to be right now. You do not need to have a very strong schedule. You don't need to have that. Their adjusted defense is better than their adjusted offensive ranking. And again, another big change (laughs) from the previous seasons. Lost to two teams just ahead of them now, Colorado State and Nebraska, but that's where that uneven performance thing comes in. So it'll be interested to see where this team goes. You should be, I, I bet you, you got a great chance against UCLA. They are not a great team this year. Cal is, oof. How did Cal get that bad? How did Cal get that bad at basketball? That is a genuine surprise on my part. And, a, and they do get to play them twice this year, at least, so you're probably going to get two wins there. But you got a chance at least to make a little noise in the Pac-12 this year. I don't think six wins is too out of the question. Finished with 15 victories in Kyle Smith's first year. I think he'd feel pretty good about that before he really gets his players in that he wants to get in. So I'm, I'm interested to watch. And I'm finding myself, again, I'm paying a lot more attention to this basketball team than I even thought I would when Kyle Smith got hired. And I'm, you know, I, I kind of pushed at the whole, you know, Washington State needs to have an interesting men's basketball team again because football was so good. And perhaps I'm not doing it anymore because football wasn't superb this year. But it would be really nice to have an interesting basketball team again. It would be really nice to have a team that looks competitive on a nightly basis in a not great basketball conference out on that floor again. I would love to see a crap load more students in the stands. That would be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to being in Pullman for Clay's retirement game. His jersey retirement, not his like career retirement game. I haven't been to a basketball game in a decade in Pullman. So I'm, I'm quite excited to be over there in a couple of weeks. It'll be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping that this team gives me a reason to settle up and watch the Pac-12 Network a lot this winter. And that's a weird thing to say, to want to watch the Pac-12 Network a lot. <laughs> Pac-12 opener against USC Thursday night at 7.30 and then UCLA on Saturday in Pullman. And I get, yeah, I know, they're in Pullman before the kids get back, but we talked about this before. I don't want the conference making special exceptions for us. And frankly, they shouldn't. I, that, that would be asinine to, to ask them to make exceptions for one school because of when the kids are and are not there. That's that's just they're never going to do it and frankly they shouldn't. It would be it would be a bit of an insult to the the other schools in the conference that might have something similar or some other issue that you look at and go, "Oh no, no, no. You guys you guys don't get that treatment. Only Wazoo gets that treatment." That would be bad. Dunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything. Other side of the fight song. On the
Thunderhead of the week time. And this one falls on yours truly. This one's on me. I admit, I was a Thunderhead this week. Uh, my birthday was on Monday. None of you got me anything. Don't think I didn't notice. But my birthday was on Monday, and uh, my wife and I went up to our old neighborhood in Greenwood in Seattle uh, to have dinner at Flint Creek Cattle. And by the way, if you've not been there and you have a special occasion, uh, go to there. The food is delicious, and I'm also into sponsorship opportunities. Uh, but we also went to a bar uh, that we used to, uh, I still love in that neighborhood. We used to frequent pretty often, uh, the Cozy Nut. It is a great, like, British-style pub. They've got stuffed animals in, and I don't mean like the ones you kids play with, I mean like the kind you hunt in the like display cases around and they painted the walls. It kind of looks like if Splash Mountain served alcohol. That's the best way I can think of to describe it. But I went up to the bar to order a beer and I saw Magners um, on the tap. And I was like, okay, I'm in like a British style pub. I'll get a Magners for my birthday. I, you know, they didn't have like anything else in particular I really wanted. So I thought, I'll get, I'll get a Magners. And the guy poured it. It looked a little weird to me. I was like, oh, well. I don't really remember what a Magners is. And I brought the beer, uh, the beers back to the table, and uh, my wife said to me, uh, you know, what did you get? And I said, oh, I got a Magners. She goes, that's not a Magners, that's a cider. And I said, no, that's not a cider. And I looked up at the tap board, and I saw it was a Magners cider. And I don't care for ciders. Hard ciders, anyway. I like, like, if you're going to make cider, you know, like bourbon and apple cider and cinnamon and cloves and honey in a pot. I like that, but this was... So I proudly chugged it and went to the bar and got a Guinness because I knew what that was. Yours truly, Dunderhead of the Week. Look at the tap handle more carefully before you order things. That would be my advice to you. Ask Michael anything, though. Ask me... Anything. Just don't ask me to get a cider. Woof. So bad. At Rastern6, Rafa, favorite hangover food. Oh, man. A Big Mac and fries and a McChicken with hot mustard. That gets me right as rain. Plus a Coke from McDonald's. I don't know what it is about that, but that just... That does it. That helps me out a lot. At the machine, 51, Jake Stewart. What's the best WSU game you have personally witnessed and what's your favorite WSU victory of all time? Best one I've ever witnessed. Probably that Oregon game last year. I would also, I don't think that game against you at the upset of USC gets enough due in 2017. That was a lot of fun. I really like that. So I think of those two, I've like, I've personally witnessed, I would say that. Uh, my favorite WSU victory of all time. Okay, this is going to sound a little weird. The 2010 Oregon State game. Because I was absolutely going ape blank word. Because we keep it clean because the advertising is better. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And I was watching it in my apartment and I got an always complaint. And because I just wasn't expecting it. That's why. Uh, at Jensu82, Jennifer Dickinson. This year's football team seemed to lack the killer instinct of last year's very successful team. Can that be coached? Or is it more of a player leader absence thing? Do you have any likely candidates for team leader next year. We kind of answered, we kind of talked about that in the show a little bit, but I, I would say that it's it's both, right? But you can only do so much coaching if it's just not going to be there. So I, I think it was just the absence of like that really true leader like you had last year in Gardner Minshew that that really contributed to it. That that was not great. At Chris McKinter, Chris McKinter, was Utah overrated all year or did Oregon break them? Alamo Bowl was bad. Yeah, it was not, 
it was really not good. Um, I don't think Utah. Well, I mean, I, I suppose they were overrated. I, th- I still think they were a good football team, but they 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 just kind of folded. They just completely folded in that Pac-12 championship game. I thought I think because they thought they would get through it, and then they were playing a crappy Big 12, you know, a, a very mediocre Big 12 team. I won't say crappy, but a mediocre Big 12 team, and just didn't come out with the intensity they needed to. I think also it just. It, it was interesting because I, I I think they were very good, but they just didn't have the talent to kind of get them over the edge, if that makes sense. You just, they just didn't have quite enough to get to where they needed to go, I think. At Ellis Hughes, Ellis Hughes, this past year, Mike Leach had students drop plays and submit them as a homework assignment. Describe what play you would draw up. Oh, there would be two reverses in it for sure. I would do a reverse uh, option pass. And I would have a T run a post route, tight end run a post route, and the fullback run a post route because there is literally nothing better than a tight end and a fullback running a post route. There's nothing better than that. And the receiver throwing it to him. That would be so fun. At CQG8606, Sean, choose your Dunderhead of the decade, please. And thank you, Dunderhead of the decade. Oh, man. There's a lot. To, I mean, just in college football, there's a ton to choose from. And I can't even really think of it all off the top of my head. But. What was the name of that Ole Miss basketball player who like got in all the crowd's faces and he had those tattoos and uh, he was just a he was just a I'm, I'm like googling it and I'm trying to come up with the guy's name. What was this dude? Marshall Henderson. That was his name. God, I did not like that guy. <laughs> Jesus. He was awful. The real AA Rod Aaron. Rank your Starfleet captains, Archer included. I admit to a blind spot with DS9, uh, which I believe was Cisco, right? Captain Cisco. So I'll leave him out because I haven't, I did not watch that. Archer goes all the way at the bottom for me, and then it goes Kirk, Janeway, and Picard. So of the four I've watched, I would go with that. I, th- I think Picard's clearly the number one, and I like Janeway's number two. Very daring, tactical decisions, not always great, but always looked out for her crew and uh, and and made some very important big decisions and got her crew home safely. Especially coming back and killing the Borg Queen in the final episode. That was a big one. So I really do like Star Trek. <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week on the Cook Center Hour. We're gonna keep talking basketball all throughout the spring. We'll be here for you at least through the Pac-12 tournament, uh, and then. We'll see what else we can chat about after that on the Cook Center Hour.